0: Hello, this is Faith and Create, a podcast about makers and their faith. I'm going to finish up 2020 with Sam Buckafield. Sam's a speaker and a writer. He's someone also passionate about story. He's currently writing a kid's story, along with some other writing projects. And we talk about imagination as a muscle. We also talk about creativity and routine and how they can seem like opposites, but Perhaps they go together quite well. And the question of what time of day are you creatively productive? We chat about his faith journey and how it plays out in his day to day. Sam starts the conversation by telling us how his creative journey got its start. So get comfy and enjoy listening along.
1: To answer where it all started, mm-hmm. um, my, it's really a passion for storytelling. That's mm. that's kind of my thing. And my passion for story itself started at the age of seven, when my dad used to read me bedtime stories. There was one in particular that um, captivated me and really filled me with wonder. And that's from the Chronicles of Narnia, the Lion, Witch and the Wardrobe. Yeah. And I remember imagining the scene of Lucy walking through a wardrobe into another world and just being in awe um, of that possibility. And I could see it in my mind's eye very vividly. So then when the um, the BBC did a version, this is showing my age, in the late 80s and early 90s, and I saw on the TV screen what I'd seen in my mind, it just blew me away. That um, something I imagined could be realised into being. Yeah. And so that's kind of where my passion for story and creativity birthed. And then in my teenage years, um, I got into theatre and acting. My brother and sister uh, would do sport on Saturday mornings and I would go to the local youth theatre group because I had zero sporting prowess. But what that looked like was literally three hours a bunch of people got together and we all ended up becoming great friends and our teachers would split us into groups and give us 20 minutes and a title and together we would have to come up with a 15 minute improvised Mm. short play Mm. and that's that's where I realized how much I um had well, really, that I had the ability to imagine things into being and to tell stories yeah. um, and from that we were entered into various competitions and ended up being quite successful in in um improvisation in fact, my first year we were all and I didn't even know this until I arrived at the competition we were all entered into uh, one um category which was solo improvisation yeah. And what that looked like was all of all of the um, all of the competition entrants were put into a room mm. and taken out one by one into another room, and an adjudicator gave us a title and ten minutes. And after that ten minutes, we were taken onto a stage and had to perform to an audience of three to five hundred people.
0: Oh gosh, um, <laughs> scary! <laughs> it,
1: it was scary. I mean, I just loved the thrill of it, and the fact. Like, and for me, that was play. Yeah. That was that was fun. So the competitive side didn't. I'm not very competitive, so that didn't really bother me. I didn't go out there to win. Yeah. I just loved kind of being taxed from a creative point of view um, yeah. and forced to come up with something. And. Even though I'm not competitive, I ended up winning, and that was the the biggest shock because I'd never I'd never entered any competitions, never even thought about it. Yeah. Um, but that really propelled this idea of, you know, perhaps I could be paid to use my imagination. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's not that straightforward. You can't apply for jobs, you know, to <laughs> to that end. Um, so I just. I thought about going into acting, but the uncertainty of it all and hmm. the probability of rejection, um, even though I was being encouraged because I grew up in England yeah. and was just outside of London and I was being told, you know, you need to get on the circuit, you can really make it in theatre. And that sounds wonderful, but I think the reality scared me a bit too much to do anything
0: about it. Yeah, a lot of creative um, jobs like that they're they're hard they're competitive they're hard to get into they're quite niche and um yeah yeah you never know you can do do it in later life
1: (laughs) yeah well i mean i played it safe after then and and studied and i moved to australia actually um but then got opportunities to start to write creatively for my home church and so it kind of grew from there and i realized maybe one of the best ways that I could use my imagination is to come up with things myself. Because I I sort of dabbled in television as well. Mm. And the more involved I was in that, I worked um, in a newsroom and the more involved I was in that, I realized actually there's not a huge element of creativity there (laughs) where you get to wholly um, own an idea because Mm. there are directives from senior editors and what have you. So then I just thought, well, I'm going to write a book and so I just started I started that journey and it's probably been about 12 years of writing creatively um and within that 12 years I've had opportunity to do copywriting and ghostwriting um and in fact um I'm I've been co-authoring a book with a futurist and social researcher which is going to be published next year
0: oh Wonderful uh, What's that writing yeah. our writing is I'm intrigued by writing because I I do love you know, good writing, but I'm not. I've never been very gifted at that. And I remember being at school and just never being able to figure out how to even put an essay together and getting frustrated. So, <laughs> but later in life, I have, I've, it's clicked with me a little bit more. I'm very visual. I'm a, you know, photographer. But I am fascinated with when did you know you were good at writing at school? Did you, did it come naturally to you at school? Um putting words together and knowing what, you know, words to put together and the, the flow of things and keeping people engaged with the right words. Yeah. Did you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know a specific moment and this is not going to sound as romantic as I'd like it to sound. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but basically I was a gobby child. So I had lots to say about everything um and my mum observed actually when it when I hit puberty my brother was a bit older than me and the way his testosterone manifest was through um physical harm so he would punch me on the arm all the time (laughs) but then I would respond not not with a, a counter punch um but with some cutting remarks which is awful isn't it but um but it was interesting because I realized, oh, gosh, my words have power mm. um, and I know how to use them. And really, um, uh, really, I had to learn to use them for a force for good.
0: Yeah, yeah. A good <laughs> and point. not for ills.
1: So, I mean, that's that's totally probably not what you were expecting. And most people are like, oh, I, write, I used to write stories before I went to bed. I didn't do that. I just loved I loved being read stories i liked drawing um and we would often get the opportunity to do that i do remember in primary school having to retell a story that we'd written as a class and and draw it as a comic book and so pulling out all of the key things so i think it was sort of intuitive in me and then i've just had to spend a lot of time honing my craft because i actually and uh, you know this is Hope not false humidity, and I'm not trying to be modest here, but I actually don't think I'm a good writer. Um, <laughs> but I am someone who's committed to work hard at it. I think that's probably my standout more than my natural affinity with words. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, it's interesting. It's true when you're really interested in something, it does, it does push you as well, doesn't it? Um, to learn new things when you're interested, yeah, in definitely. Something. And back to imagination, because I I know you talk about imagination a lot, and I'm very interested in that word. Um, It's a word for me that perhaps I've been scared to imagine things in the past, not scared, but just wary to imagine. I'm I'm quite safe, if that makes sense. Um, But I'm always challenging myself to try. And I've noticed you're quite an advocate for the imagination and... um, I think sometimes also just watching people sometimes they're they they do not want to imagine things in case you know it it can't become a reality or they can't see it or it, it's quite you have got to spend a lot of time in a way um, trying to imagine things whether it's something you want to do in the future or imagining you know a story or um, imagining you know for me I have to imagine like a brief or um, a photo shoot, you know, imagine ideas of how to get the visuals I want. And sometimes you can play it quite safe. Um, but what's your experience with imagination and and trying to push it to its best levels? And and why is it important to you? Do you Can you touch on that a little bit? <laughs>
1: oh, wow. That's a big...
0: Is it a, a big, big question? Topic.
1: It's a big question. It's a big question. I'll give it a crack, though. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm thinking about... For me, um imagining there is actually an element of safety to it because the risks that you're taking are only in your mind. and so for someone to grow in imagination, I would encourage someone to to just be deliberate about setting time aside to think and imagine about something that's not necessarily related to their lives, but maybe making up a character and imagining an adventure that they go on. And, and just, just, you know, like people talk about creativity as a muscle imaginations, a muscle. And I just, I remember as a kid, um, uh, this is an embarrassing confession, but I do remember (laughs) at 10 years old in the UK, imagining being on the TV show Neighbours, Ah. Um
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs>
1: yeah. And that like that that shows huge in the UK and Home and Away as well, because we're all imagining a better life in Australia. And, you know, funnily enough, that became a reality for me, although I've never been on Neighbours. Um but I have been to Palm Beach, where Home and Away is from. Anyway, yes, I yes. digress. Um so I think I think starting out and 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 practicing um imagining really helps. And the, like I said, if it's not connected to you and your future in a particular situation, there's an element of safety there. Mm. Um, so that's, that's probably kind of how I go about it. But for me, with imagination, the possibilities are endless. And the thing is, um there's a quote by Albert Einstein, who, who talks about how um, logic will get you from A to Z, but imagination will take you anywhere. And for me, that's the thrill. It's that you never quite know where your creativity can take you. And one of the tools I have to grow my creativity is actually to pose myself questions. So I remember speaking to a bunch of writers a few years ago, and um, I wrote on on the board, the cat sat on the map, and then and then I said um I started to to pose questions. What kind of a cat is it? What kind of a mat is it? Where is the mat? How did the cat get there? Um, does the cat have a family? Does the cat have an owner? And all of a sudden you start to build um this narrative, this backstory to, you know, a collection of like five five or six words. Mm. Um and you've imagined something into being instead of just accepting it as it is, so I think, yeah, practicing by um thinking about something that's not related to you um and then posing questions to push your mind to think beyond what is in the brief or mm. or, or you know. Yeah, I, I don't like, know if that makes any sense. No, it does.
0: I'm a bit. <laughs> no, I like the idea of, you know, imagination is a muscle as well. And mm. I think just like anything, whether it's, you know, fitness or a skill um, you're doing or cooking, you know, you can, you've got to keep practicing it, don't you? It's interesting. Oh, good. Well, it's encouraging. I, I'd love to play with imagination a bit more, be a bit more imaginative. Um, so, yeah, that's really encouraging. And what does a typical week look like for you? You said a little bit about routine, you know, setting aside time. So what does a general week look like for you at the moment? It's probably changed as opposed to last year. But uh,
1: yeah, yeah. It's changing all the time. It's really funny. The, the word creative and routine It's almost <laughs> like an oxymoron, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, there is um, an element of discipline uh, that you have to engage in order to create um, and so for me I'll start off with a really good this is Sam on his best day <laughs> um, you know it's getting up between 6 and 7 and usually I'll like pray and and actually I do a lot of sitting in silence and, and just um, listening out to hear what the Holy Spirit has got to say for my day um, and for my work and do some breathing exercises um and you know some people might call that med- meditation but for me it is is solitude and it's spending time in the presence of god and just getting mm. affirmation um who i am and what he's called me to do um, and then really you know getting ready for the day and then and then sitting down and showing up to do the work and on a really good week, um, the night before, I will have, there's a few times I've done this, which I found really helpful, where if I'm writing, so when I've been uh, writing this book, it's I'll finish a chapter or a section before I have run out of words. And what I do is I outline um, the main topics or um, story sequence that is, Um, to follow so that when I get to my desk um, the next day I know where I'm going and what I'm doing Mm. so it's kind of like it's my to-do list Um, so I write that the night before Um, and that Mm. really that really um, it kind of jump starts my day actually so that's that's probably one of the main things and then there are some people who put um, I'd call them limitations Um, but you know who tell themselves, I need to write 5,000 words a day. I can't afford to do that to myself because I just get too disheartened or frustrated when I don't achieve that. Um, And so what I do is I actually, I've done some tests on my energy levels and there was this online questionnaire I did that basically told me that um, my best energy is first thing in the morning. It's between 6 a.m. and 12 p.m. Yep. And so that's when I will get the bulk of my writing done. It flows brilliantly. And then I'll have a two to three hour break. And that break would involve lunch, going for a walk, exercise, maybe uh, going out and grabbing a
0: coffee.
1: Um, And then I'll reread the work that I've done like three or four o'clock. And then if I've got lots of stuff to write, I'll then take another... um, Decent break until about nine PM, and then I have this surge of energy, um, and I'll do I'll do nine till eleven, nine till twelve. So it's kind of going with the ebbs and flows of my energy during the day, yeah, and
0: I've
1: that's found interesting. Yep. that's how I'm most productive, especially when I'm under um, under a deadline. Yeah,
0: oh, I love it. It really is a creative routine you've got. That's really interesting. I've never thought of it like that. Looking into you know when your energy levels are at their highest, and um, it's interesting how a lot of creatives do get a little peak at that time right before we go to sleep. (laughs) I do as well. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm on fire now. Oh, I've got to go to sleep, and it's like, (laughs) Um, yeah, it's interesting. Well, thank you. And your faith journey—you touched on it a little bit. Mm. That's that's part of your routine as well Um, because it's important to you. How did you become a Christian? How did you discover your faith?
1: Um, Well, I actually grew up in a Christian family um, and my parents were heavily involved in church. So my dad was an elder and sort of like um, an associate pastor. And he's a dentist, actually, and my mum is a burns and plastics nurse. And yeah, they just both volunteered lots of time. And so we we were at everything and church was just what we did and i you know i would say i sort of became a christian i became a christian around 5 or 6 years old with my um you know teeny tiny understanding of jesus and the cross and then i would say through my teenage years through attending summer camps like a lot of people um you know, a real passion was ignited in me, and I I took it more seriously, um, and that's when I say I really formed a growing relationship with Jesus. Mm. Yeah, and I've and I've I've stuck with it ever since, and it, it's evolved what the relationship looks like. Um, sometimes mm. in intensity, or sometimes like hanging out at the beach just with Jesus, and mm. and uh. Like my parents were really big on prayer, and we used to pray a lot around um, the dinner table at the end of every meal. And so, oh,
0: at the end of every meal,
1: yeah. So, we we do grace, we do grace, but then, yeah, um, we'd have dinner, and then at the end, we'd share about stuff that's going on in our lives, and we'd pray together about different things or for different family members. That's a nice idea. Um, and so this this kind of I mean it's quite beautiful really like it's communion there's the sharing the food with one another and then uh, and then sharing heart and prayer and mm. and so that that was cultivated at an early age and is something I hold to and and this is a part of my communion with God it's, it's just like chatting and praying and doing my best to involve him throughout the day because I can't do it on my own.
0: Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> oh that's really encouraging I like that. And you you said you're also quite passionate about mentoring the mm. next, actually, before I go into the, I'm going to go talk about your mentoring soon. Before um, I go into that, I want to touch on if you have any um, grateful working moments, because, you know, when you're praying to God, I often, you know, talk to God about, oh, I'd love to be able to do this. And, and you, you know, for example, you wanted to come to Australia and work in Neighbours and you got to go to Palm <laughs> Beach. Um, you know, no matter what age you are, everyone's got like a, Something on their heart, and um, and yeah, have you ever had any grateful working moments where you've had something on your heart and given it to God, and maybe you've seen answered a prayer or He's given you a desire of your heart, and in some way or you've seen Him at work that you can share with us? <laughs>
1: yeah, I actually have loads. Oh good, I have a lot of. Them. I love these ones.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I do. I've um. I've got three that that spring to mind the first one like a short one was actually um i was at church and the there was someone giving a sermon about the parable of the talents and at the time i had this wrong view of what stewarding my gift of writing looked like Mm -hmm. and during the sermon um they actually shouted it's not yours to put down and that actually shook me in that um, my hands were shaking when, when his voice boomed around the room. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> what is going on here? And I realized that I had this um, preconceived idea that humility looked like laying your gifts down and letting Jesus do the work and make a way for you. Mm. Instead of taking hold of the gift you know unwrapping it stewarding it and using it and so i i just had this wrong view and in that moment i went i've got to take this seriously i need to pick up the tools that he's given me and i need to make good use of them because i don't want to come to the end of my days going well no i was i was being humble i was leaving it with you mm. and actually the I think the humility comes through realizing that I'm just a vessel. Um, but I need to know how to use what God's given me and follow his leading so yeah. that it can be the most effective. Um, mm-hmm. it can be. So that that was a, a redefining one for me. And so then I actually changed tack and I started to do writing courses. Um Which leads me to my next story and that is um, I just I went to every writing event I could find, listened to every podcast, bought every book on writing, Mm -hmm. read every blog because I just thought if this is if this is up to me then I need to do the work to find out how I do this thing Mm -hmm. Um, and a friend of mine had told me about a writing event that was coming up and um sounded really cool and kind of up my street and so um I applied for a ticket and during the application process you could actually submit a question um to the speaker who's a published author and a sub-editor of a a big newspaper and I sent a question saying how do I get a mentor in this industry Mm. and sent it off and I went along um and it was a it was a great presentation and I kind of made this deal with God before I um went and I was like God if this guy mentions my question I'll go and talk to him at the end um but if he doesn't I'm just gonna leave very quickly Mm -hmm. and I like straight up I'm not that guy who walks up to presenters like I'm not that person at all I'm like although I used to love being on the stage um when I'm an audience member I'm like you know yeah, quite different. coy so anyway he got to the end of the, his presentation and he 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 didn't bring my question up at all um, so I was like oh, the end I'm going um, but as he was receiving applause he spoke over it, um, the crowd and said oh hang on there was one person who was asking for a mentor come up and see me um, now I'll be your mentor oh. and I was, I mean I just exploded
0: <laughs> wow
1: so i went up and saw saw him and we've met up um several times and he he was serious and he could pick up that i was serious as well and it's been about two or three years now and he has given me his time um and developed me like i don't think anyone else could it's really it's it's sort of confronting because i i send my work to him and then He's like he's an editor of a national newspaper and so he just he treats me like one of his journalists. <laughs> oh, but that was a major God thing for me. Um I mean, it, actually he happens to be a Christian too, so even having that that faith element was was really cool.
0: Wow. Um, that is so, a yeah. great story. It's a great story. And you are leading to you know, my next question. You are passionate also about like giving back and mentoring yourself, aren't you? The next generation yeah. of writers. Um, did that come about from getting, you know, um, getting so much out of a mentor yourself? Did you, is that what motivated you to want to give back? Or you know, tell us about how long you've been coaching and mentoring and how it came about.
1: Yeah, it's probably, it's happened quite naturally in the, I really love people and I want them to win. And it's it's that simple for me. So um really I've just so I run run a, a sort of a, a writers guild at my church for a few years and realised there were lots of people who had this passion and desire to write but didn't know how mm. and it's it's really interesting with writing because it's it's an isolated, lonely journey. Because you're sitting at a computer or, or with your notepad and pen. You're on your own, mm. um, apart from God and your imagination. And so there's lots of opportunity for doubt to come in. Mm. And you wonder if you're good enough. I mean, you probably experienced this with your photography as well. You yeah. just question all the time.
0: Yeah, it's a bit lonely. And <laughs> so,
1: yeah. And I, I just I thought, well, God's actually built us for community. So what can I do so that people don't feel so alone in their creativity? Um, and I, I found as well, like a lot of the big authors, although there has been a shift in the last few years, a lot of the big authors, um, when they are interviewed, they're talking about their characters and the story. Hmm. They're not talking about the process of writing. And, you know, I'd love to sit with J.K. Rowling, for example, and go, you know, how did the structure change? Was Harry always his name? You know, were there any characters that you put in and then had to remove? Mm. Because that's the reality of the process. And, you know, when we read books, we read the final product, but we don't know the years. And and the edits and the changes that have gone through. And so I had this like silly um, preconceived idea that the words just come and flow and it, you, know, you start on chapter one, you end on chapter 12 and it all just comes. But actually, particularly when it comes to structural edits, um, there's a lot of moving of things around. And sometimes, you know, even different characters are removed. So I realised that... I wanted to be someone who could kind of expose the process and champion that it's, um, well, that it is a process and that we just, we take one stage at a time and that it's okay if things change. It's okay to press delete. So I think it's, yeah, it was really all birthed from wanting to see people win and also expose that it is a process. Yeah. Um, and that it's that it can be a wrestle sometimes, but that is okay um, and we can just support one another and be committed to being a student of writing and open to learning you know
0: yeah like yeah behind the scenes it's true. I love hearing behind the scenes when it comes to photography as well. how did you do the edit there and what did you what equipment did you use and yes, it's so true and it's so nice also you said the word community. Uh, mm and that's that's very true community is so important isn't it and a lot of a lot of creative jobs or trades solo, solo, soul solo trades uh, are often working a lot on their jobs by themselves in their own little space and so yeah it's so nice to be able to connect with like-minded um, people in your trade and share isn't it so mentoring it's great it's great you do that it's really interesting Yeah.
1: And I'm big, I mean, I'm big on collaboration, like, because you spark ideas in one another, and actually, you energize one another. And so, um, you know, you start to ask, like I talked about with imagination, posing questions, Um, it actually stimulates something. Mm. And then you can imagine different, and maybe imagine better. And, you know, it might spark something, an idea for yourself, even though you're trying to help someone else. So, I think that's quite thrilling, actually, because you never quite know what's going to happen, and and that's the fun of creativity.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's great. It's great to have each other, isn't it? And what are some aspiring? What are some things aspiring writers find hard? Out of interest, generally,
1: <laughs> it's doing the work.
0: The, um, maybe the, maybe the creative. Um, what do we say? The creative routine. Do you think? A lot of them struggle getting into some kind of um, routine so they get momentum. I'm not sure because I'm not a writer at all. It's fascinating to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it is a bit that, and I mean, it's it is okay. The thing that I've observed with with other writers or with budding writers, aspiring writers, is um, is actually, and this isn't very sexy, but it's the lack of discipline um And like you say, the creative routine. And um there's two two little stories here. Um, there was a film that I loved as a teenager called Sister Act two. Oh, loved that. love that. Love I actually it. watched it the other day. Oh, it's so it. good.
0: It's one of my faves. <laughs> one of my faves. Lauren Hill.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Lauren Hill. Favorite album of all time. It's Education of Lauren oh, Hill. Oh, so just good. As an aside, I love it. I love it. Um, <laughs> So she she's a budding singer, um, but her mum prevents her from being a part of the choir. Um, And then Whoopi Goldberg, who plays her teacher, challenges her to come back into the choir. And the way she does that by saying she actually starts off by saying, you know, you're a writer when you wake up and all you can think about is writing. Mm. And I like for me personally, it is one of the first thoughts in the morning. It's, it's in my bones. And so I actually have to, if we're going with the body analogy here, I have to put legs on that, you know? Um, and so that, that, knowing that there was a deep uh, passion and drive within me, that's the first step. And I think a lot of people have that um, mm. and they become ambitious and they imagine what the future could look like but then you have to show up and do the actual work and um elizabeth gilbert who's an author she wrote eat Pray, love and um she also wrote a brilliant book called big magic and it's on creativity and she, that was kind of spawned from a ted talk she did called your elusive creative genius mm. and i would wholeheartedly recommend that that um ted talked to your listeners and actually i do to virtually every created by I me mean.
0: yeah.
1: um and she talks about um how it's the creative's responsibility to show up regardless of whether the genius arrives with all of the creativity mm. because she says at the end of the day i was there ready and waiting for the ideas to come um and that's all that mattered—that I showed up. Um, and then um, I think it—I think it's a, a Greek or a Roman view of genius that um, you, we are not um, geniuses, but that we have genius. And she describes it as like a little house elf, like Dobby, kind of yeah. um, coming into your office and and giving you creative ideas. And if Dobby shows up with the ideas and you're not there, he'll find someone else. Mm. So that really, I found that really helpful because also if the work is rubbish, you don't blame yourself, you blame Dobby. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this separation. And I think it's actually quite a healthy view about, um, of genius or, and creativity having versus being and then you know because creatives do have a tendency to self-deprecate and there's lots of woe is me and it's not in a humorous way it can actually be quite destructive Um, and it doesn't need to be like that because creativity is thrilling exciting and fun Mm -hmm. Um, and it's sort of otherworldly and um and so it's like we put this false heaviness or unnecessary heaviness on ourselves to produce art. And we blame ourselves when it's not good enough. But If you just show up and do the work um, and wait for the ideas to come, um, that's a much, I think, a much safer frame and just blame Dobby when it, when it goes a bit rubbish. Yeah, yeah, and
0: I like that. Yeah, just showing up and, and doing it regularly. Like you, you know, you have your coffee every day, you show up and you, um, do, if you're a writer and you're thinking about show up and do that every day as well. That's is that what you, yeah, what you're kind of saying?
1: Yeah, very much so. And I mean, for me, so, um, before writing really became full time for me, I was an event manager and I used to get so annoyed at the fact that I was an event manager because it's such a busy full on job. Um, and I was just permanently exhausted. And I would wake up with this, like, why can't I write full-time? Yeah. Why can't I write full-time? And, you know, obviously I have to pay my bills, so you have to be diligent. And this this was a job that I, you know, um, was naturally quite good at and had lots of opportunity. And so it made sense for me to do that. But it did get, it got to the point where I was so frustrated that I couldn't write full-time. I had to look at my schedule and go, I may not be paid to write yet, but I can write. And so I would set my alarm at five o'clock every morning and I'd have my laptop beside my bed. And at 5am, I'd pull up my laptop, still in bed, and I would write for two hours, um, and that way, the first thing in the morning, I did what I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of put things into perspective for me that really the events job was secondary, but necessary at the same time. However, I was still ensuring that I was I was writing every single day and doing what I loved every single day. And that's just the reality for a lot of creatives is that it's a side hustle um, yeah, yeah. until yeah. it grows and becomes um, a full-time thing god willing so yes, yeah that was big, that helped me big time
0: oh it's so interesting and also like with the the discipline and showing up i do find like the doing it even for me there's so many more distractions with screens now that i always think back to you know maybe the writers that didn't have to deal with social media in their lives and they didn't have to deal <laughs> yeah. with with the internet in their lives they they had no distractions and i often think that be way more productive if i didn't have those distractions all those can com- also you look online as well and you can start comparing and you can go down those rabbit holes um so that's another part i think it, with all creatives or anyone really that that it is hard to be disciplined um because there are so many distractions now do you think is it- yeah i think
1: so um i mean so actually on that for me i i found a um a program—I forget what it's called—but um, that actually blocks um, like social media sites and internet access on a timer. Oh, and yeah, and so I would I would set like a two-hour timer, um, blocking all of that, and I would just write. And so there's there's amazing there's amazing apps out there that, that can free you up. But, yeah, I do. Look, I do get distracted. I mean, yesterday I was writing something and I probably did two hours of writing, but I also checked my Instagram about 50 times because <laughs> it was an, an annoying thing that I was writing and I wanted to distract myself, but yeah. it needed to be done.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, I'm totally guilty of that as well. And um, But, yes, you, you can. it can be done, though. It's not all lost. And also there's lots of good that comes from it. We can communicate with so many more people now can't
1: we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's great for really encouraging people in, in their craft as well. That That's primarily yeah. what I use my, my Instagram for, is just to keep championing people to keep going and to yeah. keep showing up and keep creating.
0: Yeah, that's so good. And, and to finish up, um, I just wanted to to chat about what you're currently enjoying or or working on at the moment or perhaps looking forward to for that 2021 coming up
1: yeah bring it on Um, good riddance 2020 (laughs) although actually no like uh creatively and professionally 2020 has been extremely kind to me
0: so um
1: yeah Yeah. this this book that i'm co-authoring we actually secured the contract with um i think the the world's second biggest publisher we secured that contract with them in late April, early May, when we were in lockdown. Wow! And so I remember getting the memo of offer, and my first response was, "Dreams aren't meant to come true in the middle of a global pandemic." Yeah, you know, because it would just seem so. Well, it just if it, it sort of felt a bit wrong, but um at the same time, this is something that we've been working towards for a long time. So. We're um yeah, 2021 that will be published, and that's my first that is my first um, big publication. Yay,
0: congrats.
1: So thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited. Um, but from that it's provided well, more opportunities have come about. so I'm about to start ghostwriting a nonfiction book on finances, um, which has got an amazing narrative, so I'm really excited to start that. And then I would actually say the one that's most thrilling for me is a passion project. Me and one of my best friends are developing a middle-grade kids' story and that story is in my bones. That's oh. that's actually the one I wake up most mornings ago.
0: Oh, That this sounds like happened. fun. So middle grade, are we talking like mid-primary school, 10, 11 kind of?
1: Yeah, a little, little bit younger, so probably, probably like to ten oh. i'm really i'm looking to it's what i'm trying to do is write something that a kid could read themselves um or to their parents or yep. the parents could read the whole story in one night so it's just eight to ten thousand words which isn't which isn't super long mm. but is um and really to encourage boys to read as well oh, great. so lots of action like really um quickly paced but an exciting story that opens up
0: Wonderful.
1: imagination and wonder and that that's my lifeblood at the moment and so uh, i i if i'm not able to get a publisher um i'll probably self-publish that um at some point next year
0: oh that sounds like so much fun yes we do need good books for kids yeah i've got some kids of my own and I love them reading good books. There's some really dodgy books out there. They they bring their re- readers home. You know, kids get readers. Um, and some of those readers, I'm, I'm like, what is this about? This is so <laughs> – oh, and they have to read them. But there are some, yeah, great books out there as well. And um, I love that kids just have imagination. Um, they've got nothing really holding them back. They're so good at it. Um, yeah. I love so, that. It's love to go into their little world. Oh, that's great. That's exciting. Thanks so much. Thank you for chatting with me today.
1: Yeah, no worries. It's been really fun. I love I love talking about this stuff, and it and it really fuels me to keep going, and and makes me want to write and create even more. So I really appreciate it.
0: hope you've been inspired by today's chat. I know I have. I've really enjoyed hearing Sam's creative wisdom today. And for those interested, Sam does have some limited spaces if people are interested in the mentoring sessions we were chatting about. I'll pop his website details in the podcast notes. And do go check out his socials too for some great writer inspo. And that's the last podcast from me for 2020. What a year. I hope everyone has a really refreshing holiday period and I look forward to more conversation in 2021. So stay tuned and have a great rest of your day.